Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. I'm Sir Richard Poshingham. And I'm Mark Tapper from Tapper's Jewelry. I'm sorry, Mark. Can you say that again? Tapper's Jewelry? Bobble that just a bit. Jewelry. Mm, Still haven't got it. You are familiar with that word, aren't you? Jewelry. Sounds right to me. And only you. Still, it's not like it's your area of expertise. (laughs) Look, I may not be a professional announcer, but I know one thing for sure. Nobody cares more about helping you find exactly the right jewelry than I do. My father, Howard Tapper, built his life in the jewelry business, and I'm doing my best to live up to his example. But surely he could at least say it. Howard, would you demonstrate? Of course. Jewelry. Come on, Mark. It's not that hard. Jewelry. Feeling a bit ganged up on. You try to bring them up right. Tappers, tell us your story. At Tappers, we want to hear how you say jewelry. Straighten me out at tappers.com. You also say tappers a bit funny. I give up. Tappers. Can we roll the next commercial, please? Welcome to the Empire Builders podcast. Uh, Dave Young here alongside Stephen Semple. And Stephen just whispered in my ear, I have to admit, because I'm a certain age, the triggering words... Barbie, Matchbox, and Hot Wheels. Now, the reason I'm triggered is it just brings back like fights between me and my sisters. Right? <laughs> well, you're over... fighting over the Barbies? <laughs> uh, not so much fighting over the Barbies, but fighting for space on the living room floor for playing with stuff. And maybe some heads got torn off some Barbie dolls. I don't know. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Maybe some Hot Wheels or Matchbox cars were damaged in retaliation. <laughs> Do you have any scars uh, they, on your head yeah. from them hitting you? <laughs> you know, they, they, they would, they would, they would key my Matchbox cars. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, take me Good back times. to my childhood trauma. This is a therapy <laughs> podcast, right? <laughs> You know, I was thinking about the the other day, so I think we have to do part two of Tetris just to really get you uh, into your anxiety (laughs) place. (laughs) Sounds good. So we're going to be doing something a little bit different because we're talking about two companies and three products. And so this is going to become a a two-part episode, which is unusual for us. But when I was looking at these companies, the stories are so linked. I couldn't figure out a way to break it apart. So I thought, you know what? We're going to tell it as the best way to tell it. And I think that's looking at all three together. And the interesting thing is all three, Barbie Matchbox and Hot Wheels, today are all part of Mattel, although Matchbox started as a competitor. But today they are all under the same umbrella. And Mattel today does like $5.5 billion in sales and has – 33,000 employees around the world. And all three of these businesses basically started, or all three of these products, sorry, it's two businesses, three products, started following World War II. And in North America, when we go back following World War II in North America, we had this baby boom as the troops returned from war and there was this GI Bill stimulating the economy. But it was very different in Europe following the war. They were 
you know, rebuilding and recovering. And in fact, the economy was a mess. So the other part that's Mm -hmm. interesting is the origins of both of these businesses were quite different in terms of the economic environment. Hmm. But but first to California and Mattel. So Mattel was started by Elliot and Ruth Handler and a friend, Harold Matson. And the business started by making picture frames. They were manufacturing picture frames. And okay. Ruth ran the business side and Elliot ran the creative side. So keep in mind, this is following World War II. This is the late 1940s, early 1950s in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And you've got a woman running it, which yeah, very, very you know, out there for the time. Well, it's California. (laughs) There you go. A little bit more open to things out there. So things were a bit slow. And so Elliot started to make doll furniture with the leftover wood from the making of the picture frames. And it starts to sell really well. And soon the doll furniture is outselling the picture frame business. So they now find themselves in the doll furniture business. Sure. Now they're trying to think of other things that they can use wood for to make in terms of other toys. And Elliot loves musical instruments. So he comes up with a toy ukulele. Now it's one that makes no sound and it's a toy and they call it the ukadoodle. A ukulele that makes no sound. Yeah. So it's just a toy one. This is a parent's dream. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right? Thought about that. No wonder it did so well. <laughs> right. Why, why didn't he make a drum set? <laughs> You know, they missed an opportunity, I think, on that one. No kidding. No kidding. So it's just an air ukulele? I mean, I'm I'm sorry to be... I I know we want to talk about Barbie, but I'm a little hung up on this air ukulele idea. That's basically... Obviously, that one, this is the product that didn't make it. (laughs) It's lost to history. Well, actually, you can look it up and find it. Look up Ukadoodle. You'll see it out there. Because it does do well at first. At first, it sells great. Like, they sell like $30,000 worth of these things in the first year, but then it declines. So they need to find another new toy. So they create a toy called a burp gun. And yes, you heard it right. Burp gun. Okay. For promoting the toy, they take a page from Hasbro. So Hasbro was the first company to advertise a toy on TV, but they only ran the ads at Christmas. And Elliot and Ruth are much more aggressive. So they decide to advertise year round. I mean, kids' birthdays happen 365 days a year. Right. Christmas happens one day a year. So I'm for advertising for birthdays and and other occasions. So the burp gun, the yukadoodle, and this is all this is pre-Mattel, pre-Hasbro, pre No, this is this is the early days of Mattel. This is early days of Mattel. Probably when Hasbro invented the whoopee cushion. So <laughs> In retaliation. <laughs> in retaliation, maybe. Gun. So Mattel goes from making picture frames to doll yeah, furniture. To doll furniture. To the yukadoodle to now the burp gun. Okay. Barbie's but, but nowhere to be seen yet. Yeah. Barbie's nowhere to be seen yet. But part of what they did with Barbie is happening here because they decide to advertise year-round on television. And they also yeah. decide to sponsor a show. How they decide to do it is sponsor a show that's never been seen. So it's a new show that's coming out and they decide Mm. to invest a half a million dollars a year having an ad every 15 minutes on this show that's never been seen. So it's a big gamble, but it turns out really well. What year is this? 
you know what? I, I don't have the exact year, um, but you'll know the show, okay. the Mickey or, Mouse or, Show. Yeah. The okay. Mickey Mouse Show. And this has never been done before advertising toys on television year round on this new show, the Mickey Mouse Show. And sales explode. It is literally more than they can fill. And then again, sales fall. And again, they need a new idea. Mm. So Elliot's stuck in traffic and he gets his inspiration. It's the 1950s and there's great cars coming out. People have more money to spend and the cars, you know, have details that look like rockets and airplanes and vehicles really make a statement. So he decides to make a toy car and it's, and it's called the dream car and it's space age looking. It's pretty big, nine, 10 inches long. And he launches mm. it in 1953 and it doesn't do all that well. It's nice looking, but it's expensive. It's $1.98, which in 1953 is expensive. And it mm -hmm. looked like a toy, not a car, but it was hard to play with. So he decides to do another car, smaller, less parts, and it still doesn't do great. The next year, he does a car called the Dart. Still doesn't sell really well. The cars are just not playable. And remember this because we're going to come back to this. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Hey, Rick, how's it going? Okay, fine. <laughs> that doesn't sound okay. Well, what is it? My business. What about it? You probably wouldn't understand. Hit me. Well, you know I love it. But? My revenues have flatlined and I'm not growing anymore. Okay. Well... It's frustrating and depressing, and it was so much better when we were growing. Oh, I bet it was. And nothing I've tried has moved the needle. What about talking to Steven? Steven who? You know, the guy that hosts this podcast. Really? You think he could help? I hear he runs a paid-for-performance marketing agency. I wonder how that works. Why don't you ask him how? Book one of those free starter sessions on the podcast website. I don't know. You can't say you've tried everything. If you don't try this. You're right. I might even learn something. I bet you do. Thanks, man. Let's go grab a bite. Yeah, sounds good. Right after you call Steven. Okay, okay. Book your starter session on this podcast website. Just visit theempirebuilderspodcast.com and click on Get Started. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. So it's now the winter of 1966, and the family's on vacation in Switzerland. And Ruth sees her daughter looking at a doll in the window. And it's this scantily clad gag gift for bachelor parties. <laughs> okay. And it's a doll. And it's a doll. It's this little doll. But her daughter's fascinated with it. And she wonders, Ruth wonders, could she make a doll like this for girls? Mm. And at this point, the only toy for girls were baby dolls and toys for housework. No fashion type things. It's like, here, here's your role. Here's your role, little girl. You're a mother or a housemaker uh -huh. or both. Yeah. So she decided on making a doll that would be aspirational. In mm -hmm. other words, what you could aspire to become. Elliot at first is not convinced because he looks at Ruth and says, no mother's going to buy a doll with breasts. He's saying this to the CEO of his toy company, who's... I mean, she might be a mom, but uh, her role is not housemaker. She's well, the CEO of it. <laughs> she's CEO of a toy company. You know, they're a husband and wife, but he's not convinced. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he doesn't think it's going to yeah. sell. But she wouldn't accept that. Now, she convinces yeah. Elliot to drop the car thing that he's doing. So drop doing these cars. We're going to build this doll for girls. This is what we're going to do. So she really invents doll design. She hires a top design school and they make these really realistic clothes for the doll. 
She hires a famed mm. child psychologist, Ernest Dichter, who does these focus group tests. Turns out mothers resist this idea. This is a gift mm. for like mothers literally would say, is this a gift for my daughter or for my husband? Right? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> and so she spends three years developing the product in the face of this criticism. And they come up with the name Barbie, which is named after her daughter, Barbara. And it's ready uh-huh. to launch to the world. And so they go to the largest toy fair where there's these new products. And it's really this make it or break it moment with retailers. She gets a meeting with Lou Kelso, who's the head buyer from Sears, which at the time is the largest oh. retailer in the world. There's another childhood trauma moment, fighting over the Sears wish book. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> at Christmas time. Yeah, we're really doing a lot to, to really help you out uh-huh. here, babe. Yeah. Right? Thank you, Steve. <laughs> so Lou Kelso gets a chance to take a look at this Barbie stuff, and guess what he says to her? I'm thinking he, he it's a pan. Yeah. He's, he's like, mm. He says, or you're out of your mind. Girls play with baby dolls. That's because that's all you ever hand them. <laughs> and, and they got an issue here. They've invested a number of years in this. They're spending a half a million yeah. dollars a year advertising on the Mickey Mouse show. Elliot has stopped with the whole cars. They're on the brink. They got one product and buyers are saying wow. no to Barbie. So... Ruth pushes and pushes, and then she decides, you know what? She's going to bet on the girls. They double down on the ad budget. So remember, they've been spending a half a million dollars on the Mickey Mouse show. They're now going to spend a million bucks. This is make it or break it time. And this ad speaks directly to young girls. And this is the interesting thing. And the ad is, I make believe I am just like you is basically mm. the theme to the ads. But how many times have we seen this in other stories, Dave, where companies trying to sell B2B can't, can't make it go directly to the consumer? We've seen this theme over and over and over again where the distributor in the middle has it wrong and you go around them and speak directly to the consumer. How often mm-hmm. have we seen this theme? It happens all the time, and we could spend hours talking about this, but but those buyers sometimes just have a hard time uh, finding the empathy to put themselves in the mindset of the ultimate customer, which is this, a little girl. Yeah, and it turns right? out so, little girls want a Barbie. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So in the first year, they sold 300000 in the first year, more than any toy in history. Wow, awesome. The thing that they also learned from their previous toys is toy would be successful and fall off. Toy would be successful and fall off. Well, Barbie, you could create alternative versions with distinct careers and associations, clothing, accessory, Mm -hmm. houses, Mm -hmm. keep it going. And remember, they also knew about doll furniture. Oh, yeah. So this is what immediately sprang to mind when you told me we're going to talk about Barbie, Hot Wheels, and and Matchbox is – this is a toy that is, um, it's the, it's the product equivalent of a subscription, right? This is like, this is like the Gillette play of, de- we, we make money on the blades. Right. Yes. Right. It's like, okay, you sell, you sell her a, a Barbie doll and now you've got lots of, like, I remember my sisters buying packages of, of Barbie clothing, right? Yeah. It's the, it's the, uh, flight attendant. Uh, gear it's the evening gear it's the swimsuit stuff it's you know and so you're making sale after sale after sale and then barbie needs a friend 
and then there's Ken. And which yeah, and, and, Ken and the little boys and... are jealous. So what's next? GI Joe from somewhere. Yeah, right. We're gonna get boys to play with. So it's it's just brilliant. It's it. It's like like eating potato chips, right? You can't eat just one. You can't buy just one Barbie and and call it good. No little girl ever had just one Barbie doll in one outfit. And it's clear this was in their minds because they kept doing these toys that were super successful yeah. and dropped off. And they had a history doing doll furniture. Yeah. So you knew in oh, their yeah. mind, boy, you know, if we did this, there can be the furniture and there's the clothing. Like, like you knew it was all there. And speaking about mm-hmm. Ken, yeah, in 1961, they come up with Ken. You know, and Ken is this dude who wears only a start off with only a swimsuit. And then they add movement. And then by 1966, they're selling a hundred and mil hundred and eighty million dollars worth of this stuff in the mid sixties. So let's hold the Barbie story for a moment. Let's go back to post-World War II and let's go over to England and talk about Matchbox. In England, okay. Yeah. Our next episode of the Empire of Builders podcast is a continuation of this story, but we're going to be talking about Matchbox and Hot Wheels. And yep, there's a Barbie tie-in. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the Empire Builders Podcast. 